This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or an existing broadcaster looking to take your interviews and podcast episodes to the next level, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Visit poddex.com to get your Poddex today. This episode is powered by Poddex. edition of Talking Pop. It's the podcast, all things pop culture. I am your host, the one, the only, the franchise, and of course my co-host, the one and only, Biko. Yo. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know that this episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or an existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com and make sure you use that promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or gamify their podcasts. Simply shuffle up the cards, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com and use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, all one word. For 10% off your order. So let's get on to today's show. And pretty much today is pretty much, you know, today's, if you guys are not living in the U.S., um, for us in the United States, uh, it's Super Tuesday. It's uh, the day we've all been waiting for. Uh, the end of uh, America season 2020 is hopefully coming to a positive close. Uh, whatever political leanings you're, you uh, side with, it's... It's your right and your choice to be with. Um, but considering the, us living in the United States, we're in a very interesting moment in history to where things could 
inevitably change for the worse or hopefully change for the better after four years of a certain man uh, that we can't name on podcasts without being flagged for it. So here we are, and uh, well, pretty we, much, we just if- want people to vote and to. For people in the states who register to vote, please just go out there and vote. Take the time to do it. Polls are open, hopefully, in, as much until seven o'clock. And I know as long as you're in line, they can't legally tell you to leave. You are you are legally have within your rights to stay and vote until it's over. Uh, and we'll hopefully see quite the entertainment spectacle uh, around seven o'clock as they broadcast. I want to say Judgment Day 2020 for our elections, uh, and I know the world is watching us because it's been quite the quite the year with the pandemic going on. So it's not going to be. This is just the beginning, guys. Obviously, uh, it's it's come to a point to where emotions are riding, tensions are high, and uh, the one thing I would like to tell people is to, at the end of the day, remember that whoever wins and is in that seat. You still have, you still should never take for granted the things you have that are close to you that really matter. And you still have power. And don't let that dissuade from you that you don't have power because they don't have all of it. They Without us, they wouldn't be anything. So just understand that uh, wherever you're leaning towards, it's, it's within your opinion and it's within mm-hmm. your right to hold your beliefs. Uh, I wouldn't want to tell somebody force anybody to believe whatever they don't believe it's it's your choice um the education is out there the knowledge is out there and information is out there so it's up to you to deduce to your best of your abilities what you feel is right and at the end of the day i i understand so without further ado um yeah it's fucking election 2020 every time you look at these ads it looks like we're watching a sports center update or boxing a problem. Honestly, like, yeah, you can't go through social media without everything <laughs> pushing vote, every media circuit promoting vote, every sports promoting vote, even to the point like actors, comedians are urging people to vote. To the point that like Kevin Smith on his Facebook page decided him and Jason Mewes decided to reprise his role as Jamie Simon Bob and shoot a little pro vote ad to go tell people to go vote, which was kind of hilarious if you haven't checked it out on his Facebook page, but. You know, like I said, to me, this is like the biggest media spectacle. I mean, it is pop culture related because think about these. I mean, one of them is a key figure that you've known from so many years, you know, from hosting a game, like pretty much a reality type show on NBC, The Apprentice. And the other, you know, was, you know, a career politician, career politician since the 60s, who has a lot for himself to own up to, but throughout the years, He's he's been he's been in politics. I'm not gonna say that he has. I'm not gonna chalk it up to experience because we all know at the end of the day that was bullcrap. I mean, if Trump got in, that means it blew up everything. It just shows you that anybody can do it if you have enough money. But that's not the point. The point is, uh, whoever you choose, obviously the two front runners being Biden and Trump. Uh, you, there's other candidates running, but we kind of know how this show goes. If you've lived in America for long enough, you kind of understand how this cycle and game is played and um yeah it's 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 strange to see that we have to go again to what 2016 was right it's kind of the same feeling um it's the same feeling that i'm sure most a lot of americans are holding right now and probably in the world whoever's watching and is who is being informed of 
what's going on in our politics today and and, and globally and uh it's 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 like a feeling of weird despair i'm not saying everybody uh, i don't hold that despair it's just i think we get so connected and people invest a lot of their time in social media that they kind of just re they recycle and regurgitate that feeling the negative feeling and that's why i kind of say at the end of the day you still have that power to make the decisions that you feel is best for your life just because whoever's sitting in that seat um and that's something that like our father fucking that tells us all the time. Even yes, even on Sunday when we talked, uh, no, even uh, Friday we were talking about it last week when he picked me up. Um, mm-hmm. He was just like, "Yeah, what do you think?" Because he had asked me, "Are you gonna? What do you think?" And yeah, it's like, and I told him what how I really feel and what's really going on, and and how at least what I feel is really going on. And then I explained to him that uh, I the one thing that stuck out to me is I, I told him about two thousand. Uh, remember the 2000 election with um, Bush and Gore, I was very little, but that was all over the news. Our school was, they kept the TVs on. Uh, I remember getting sent um, outside of my classroom, because this is what, two, the year 2000, I was in third grade. I remember I got in trouble and I got sent out of the classroom to this other room upstairs. And as, we're walking, as I was walking the TVs, they called about the recount. And now obviously at, at, at that age, you're not going to be, not know what the hell's going on. I was pretty observant as a child, but just recognizing how people like the fact that they spent so long on a recount and it was all over the news all night mm-hmm. because pops would always have something going on or they'd have Univision going on during the day if we would get home. But like, it was weird that they spent so much time on something like that. And I only knew about it was Clinton, right? We always saw Clinton, but he already served the two terms. Yeah. Um, and so it's funny to see that we didn't, it's like, we're seeing a little bit of uh, semblance from that election kind of carry over to what this was. Um, from 2016 and on to our present day. Uh, and it's, uh, I was reading an article and it was funny, the, the person that stated, it's hilarious how we made such a big deal about a recount or the Republicans made a big deal about the recount. And then right now where we're just, where the Democrats are just trying not to get obstruction for voting and in the process and the Republicans are perfectly fine with these Trump brigades coming along and, and threatening voters, uh, trying trying to suppress things attacking ballot boxes, like dumping those. Uh, and then we have some officials who are being a little schemy at the side. So like, guys, this is a game at the end of the day. It's politics. It's a game. And so I used to always battle my dad, but as I got older and as the years go by, it, it's starting to realize that like he held, he held a lot of sense. Um, and that's something I feel like a lot of 20 year olds going into the next decade in their life kind of see if you're given the chance to be self-aware. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. Who do you think is gonna why? Who do you think is gonna win? I I don't want to spend too much time on this. It's just more or less like I'm just trying to just make everyone aware of it. Yeah, just hopefully you know be aware of it. If you don't want to have to watch it, watch it. I I honestly feel like they're not gonna have all the votes counted right now. And Trump already clearly said in his rallies and all that stuff that he's gonna claim that it's fucking you know that they're obstructing or they're like you know it's not they're not ballots aren't legitimate all that stuff and. Uh, there's a Texas Supreme Court already st- upholding things in the sense that they're like, no, that's bullshit, Trump. We're we're fine. We're counting. We're counting. So we're seeing a lot of even Pennsylvania. He already made a threat yesterday saying we're watching you, like, and he's like, and then the Pennsylvania senator or whatever official guy was just like, keep counting. He said, uh, basically saying like, shut up and keep counting. Like, it's basically saying like, keep counting the votes. Like, fuck off. Fuck yeah, because honestly, you cannot so be. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, and this is, and this is all illegal, by the way. You can't. It's in our. It's in our constitution. There's not. You're supposed to. It's a. It's a. 
it's a threat. It's domestic terrorism, essentially. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're pretty much... But here we are. Like, obviously, in Trump's America, like, there's no rules anymore. And, and it sucks that our government officials are upholding it. On both aisles. None of these people are innocent. Both aisles, okay? Mm. I'm not just blaming Republicans. Both of these guys... Both sides, basically. Both sides of the same bird. And this is constantly regurgitated like a, like a record player. But it, I, it, it fathoms me that people don't get that. And that it's the truth. We are two wings on the same bird. And, and it's, it's a constant cycle. But thank God that we see like a big voter turnout in Texas, mainly young, mainly young voters, and they're tur- think, and they're about to turn Texas blue. It's for the first time in hot yeah. centuries. Yeah, Centur- because honestly, <laughs> it's years, honestly, guys, yeah. it's like you know, I had like this morning when I got up, I had my misgivings, and maybe I should not do it, but I don't know if something inside me just said, you know what, it is my right? You know, I have to go out there, and my only way I can do something is just vote. Yeah. That's the only thing we can do. I mean, yeah, maybe you want to go vote, but like I said, it like you guys, you guys have that right. Like if you're 18, yes, go please. do it. I urge you to register. Yes. Have your folks, have your folks, you know, take you to the polls. They're still open right now at this time of this recording. They're still open, but honestly, that is your right that you have right now as citizens of this country is your right to vote. So honestly, you know, if you've been following politics, but honestly, it. I, both sides, you know, it's a big, you know, contest, it's a media spectacle, but it's, you know, determining, you know, how you feel about your country, basically, it's what it is, um, with everything that's been going on since the pandemic, and these last, like, four years of the current administration, you know, it, it builds up, and this pandemic, and, you know, the protests, it keeps, like, it opens people's eyes, it's people like, hey, we gotta pay attention, you know, anything we do now, you know, it's gonna affect what's gonna happen. So that's why, you know, that's why, you know, it hit me like, yeah, I have to go out and vote myself, get, do it. So that's what I did. Be a big one to do it. We did it. That's it. You know, we're not going to say who we vote for because, you know, that I feel that's rude. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I don't like I don't, I don't like why people, people do that, yeah. That shit. That's so rude. Yeah, I mean, you, Bill Burr brought that up, right? Bill Burr, yeah. Honestly, we were listening to Bill Burr yesterday, and he voted, and he's like, yeah, it's kind of rude to do that. It's very rude to ask a person who they're voting for. Like It's it's, it's like like saying like you're trying to blow up birthday candles, and someone asks <laughs> yeah. you what, what you wish for. That That's it's, not going to come true. It's like, it's not in your business. It's not your business. It's, it's what you believe in. That's your choice, you know? That's who you voted for. That's yeah. your choice. That's it. Live yeah. with it, you know? People stop harassing like they're voting for Trump or they're voting for Biden or they're voting for three third party. Like, that's the problem is that people only see one way here and that's that's what's gotten us to this mess in the first place. And yeah. And the lack of um, of showing enthusiasm towards trying to understand another viewpoint and perspective is, is bad. And I'm asking, obviously we know... Not all ideas are good, it's, it's, but that's perspective. So it's the fact that there's people out there, it, it could be amongst your friends as well, I, I, who may have pressured you to vote or one way, or they'll ask you like this and that. Like It's rude. Like, it's their personal choice and right to vote whoever they want to based on how whatever they believe it's going to help their lives or make it whatever it is. All we ask is consideration, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. And frankly... Look, you're not going to agree on everything your family has uh, believes in because you could be in different stages of life, and that tends to be the case. Um, there's been studies. I can't obviously I can't cite them now, but as I read through, there's been studies that report that a lot of people once they get into like that thirty to thirty something years and like say they have to a certain income level, some people turn tend to turn to conservative, and and that's it is what it is. 
I have my viewpoints on conser- on conservatism and all that stuff, and I don't want to share it on this because it's not what this podcast is about. Um, I'm gonna have my own ramblings on a different podcast, but like, it's it's just rude to to harass or pressure and ask people like what who they vote for. Obviously, it's up to you if you want to tell them, and you're gonna deal with whatever you want to deal with. But at the same time, all we just urge you is like, just think about it. It's kind of if would you want somebody to do that, or somebody ask you like, oh, what's your uh. I, like you mentioned, the birthday candle analogy. Like uh, it's the same thing. It's or like somebody came up, it's your birthday, and blew out your candle, and then asked, "What did you wish for?" It's like, "What the hell? You blew out my candle." Yeah, that's pretty much it's what it is. Yeah. Fun. So it's just like, don't. You're not making it any better. You're just gonna cause more division. And frankly, look, if you're gonna start choosing people you want in your life based on political leanings, it's your choice. It's your life. But you're. I feel like you're just gonna go down a path of an echo chamber thing, and you're not really challenging your own beliefs at the same time. Um, and I'm all, I'm a big, a very big proponent on self-awareness and, and growing every day and just trying to challenge your beliefs. Think, you know, it, who says you're wrong? If you just constantly surround yourself with the same type of people who, who share your beliefs, you're not really, you're missing out on, on other things that may, you have may not gotten a lot of education on or like on the other side, you know, there's aspects on both lanes, but at the end of the day, I what I encourage is independent thinking mm-hmm. and freedom of speech, no matter what. Okay, even if it's it, I because we're starting to do this cancel culture crap and this and this censorship. We're seeing it already on Twitter. We're seeing it already on Facebook. We're seeing it already on Instagram. A lot of censorship on a lot of different things and a lot of different ideas. And it's starting. It's getting out of hand already. And honestly, if people haven't read that 1984 book by Orson Welles or uh, I highly suggest it because it's starting. If you read that book, it looks like it's a game, a game plan for how the dystopian future was going to look like, and it, from the 1984. So it looks like we're headed down that path rather quickly, and it's it's honestly very nerve wracking. So um, yeah, all I know, all I ask is people to vote and do your thing, and and just try to remain calm and don't don't oh out psych yourself by watching the the the, the election results tonight. Um, if you know, just try not to overwhelm yourself. Remember, uh, tomorrow's a new day after, and we're gonna push on, and we'll see where it goes. And you have the power. Just don't, don't, don't diminish your spirit because of two rich guys who pro- most likely don't really care about you playing the same game of just trying to get ahead, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, because the more thing that they keep her getting, it's not just, you know, just getting the votes. Votes is pretty much the people, because that's who you're trying to help the people, help the people basically. This is what this, these elections are, is to vote someone that's supposed to represent you. Yes. That's what it's supposed to be. Someone that's supposed to speak for you. Someone's supposed to represent for you. But it's like, I understand money does play a thing into it, but at the same time, they keep forgetting that who, why are you doing this? Why are you running? Yeah, it's sad that people forget that when they yeah. get into office. Yeah. But like I said, you can be left Twix, you can be white Twix, whatever choice you can, you know, Still pick. The same mouth. <laughs> we're all, yeah. Honestly, we're all, like, doesn't matter what side you guys are on. Remember, we're all in this together. Like I said, we'll see what happens later tonight. We just wanted, since it is Tuesday, it's Super Tuesday, we just wanted to give our two cents about it just to give you guys what we think right now. And like I said, we'll see what happens later tonight. And hopefully by either late tonight or by tomorrow morning, we'll find out who. Which regime is running what? So yeah, if it's left Twix or is it right Twix? Right Twix or white Twix? 
yep, left twist or right twist. We'll see what happens. So, okay, let's uh, move on from that. <laughs> um, we do want to... It's kind of weird, like, this past weekend, when, you know, it was Halloween. And, you know, it was uh, interesting how Halloween went. You know, everyone had their costumes and, you know, social distancing, very small gatherings. So, um, but that, and it's funny, like, you have Halloween and also, no, not that too far away, Super Tuesday. So, it's like, here we go. But um, there was some, one notable death that happened over the weekend that kind of hit everybody on Saturday morning, you know. Sir Sean Connery, if you remember, he was the first James Bond. Yeah, passed yeah. away from the age of 90 during the Battle of Dementia. And, you know, I would say, I remember Sean Connery, you know, to be honest with you, I remember him, like, probably not from James Bond. The last thing I saw with Sean Connery was, of course, was that one film that, oh my god, what was it called? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I was just going to say, that's literally the last movie I remember him in. Yeah. That I watched. Yeah, that's a great movie. It was alright. It was alright. the best, but it was cool to see all them characters. But yeah. Because it was based on a work by, you know... I forget it's who. a book. Based on a comic book, or a book, or a comic... I think it was based on a comic book, I think it was. It was like pretty much like, almost like, kind of like the Avengers, but like, it's, a, it's like a classic, you know, mashup of different, like... Characters from literary Literal, works. Yeah, literary, literary works. Literature works the, like Dr. Uh, Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and Lizzo Man. Right, was or not Mark? Uh, wasn't it Tom uh, Sawyer? Tom Sawyer. Yeah. Um, it was Tom Sawyer, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, The Invisible Man, Sean Connery. I forgot what Sean Connery's name. I'm gonna look up that film because honestly, people remember him as James Bond because he was the first um actor to bring that. Yeah, he's the, that's like his the most notable role he's had was being the first James Bond. Uh, and it was interesting waking up to see that news because uh, we have a friend of ours who. Who is into more James Bond? I've never. I'm not saying I've never been into James Bond. I've just never gotten. I never watched the movies. Uh, I think the last one I saw was uh, the uh, the one with Halle Berry. I think is that Die Another Day mm-hmm. with, with Pierce Brosnan, and then I would play GoldenEye and and uh, Die Another Day. They had a video game too. And, like, oh, I, I would quite... always do the other lore, like play the video games, but never would go through to watch the movie because I just. I never had, I sound like I never had access, it's just I never, we never owned them, I'm not saying I've ever been into it, um, but now, what's, now it's sad that, like, a, a death has to kind of give you some motivation to go through movies, so, like, I definitely want to go through it, I know my, our, my mom was, uh, remembers James Bond, or I think she was a, a Robert Redford fan when he played the role. That wasn't Redford, wasn't it, um, Roger Moore was, it was Roger Moore. It was a bunch of actors, but I don't know. Robert. Redford didn't play it? No, it was Roger Moore. Then... Oh, so maybe that was the one that, that she liked. Yeah, and there was somebody else. Oh, there was a bunch of actors that played After him. Roger Moore? Yeah. Um, And then, going, yeah, because it was Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan, of course, right now. Daniel Craig's in his last. Yeah, his last. Maybe his last. Bond yeah, 25 yeah. is going to be his last role. so many movies. Um, oh, I forgot his name because he was right after Moore. Oh, yeah, my God. I'll look it up. Um... Anyway, going back, yeah, the last film we saw was Sean Connery, like, well, well, I remember, like I said, I know he was in Highlander, he was in Aragon, he was the voice of a dragon, um, he was, what else, he was in that one film with Catherine Zeta-Jones, I believe it was, about, uh, he was The Rock, oh yeah, I do remember from The Rock with Nicolas Cage, you forget, oh, God, he, he was in there as well, but going back to Lee, Extraordinary Gentleman, like I said, that's the most, honestly, the most recent film we saw in, it was in 2003. Okay, I got the list. So, um, pretty much, um, 
League search him. It was actually done by Alan Moore. He wrote, wrote the guy who wrote Watchmen. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta read that. Yeah, it was uh, it was by DC Comics, and basically what it is is a decent punk superhero film which is based on the first volume of the comic book series of by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. The film was released in two thousand three. This is according to Wikipedia, guys. Um, basically, the group was Sean Connery was Alan Quartermain. Um, there was uh, there was Nate, Captain Nemo. Dorian Gray, Tom Sawyer, Dutch Mr. Hyde, uh, The Phantom, James Moriarty was the one of the bad guys. Um, Dante, uh, Sanderson Reed, Nigel Ismael, Ina Harker. So it was a good cast, but of course the film, the budget was seventy eight million. It made it made over its budget, so it did pretty well over its yeah, budget. I just remember getting panned a lot in the critics because <laughs> I think just the writing wasn't the best. But this came out when we we're kind of young, so like. I don't remember too much. I gotta watch again. Um, so I got I brought up the list. Yeah. In order. So the first bond was Sean Connery from sixty two, and through sixty seven, and then seventy one and eighty three, because I'm sure they took the time funding all that. The next one was David Niven in sixty seven. He portrayed Bond as well. George Lansby portrayed him in sixty nine. Roger Moore went from seventy three to 80, 1985. And then Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. I I think, yeah, ah, oh, so I'm a god, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. That's what I was trying to think of. That was the name I was trying to think of. I just couldn't. He just played him for two years. Wow. Yeah, and then Pierce Brosnan from '95 to '02, and then Daniel Craig from '06 to present. So wow. So even Daniel Craig, which I feel like he's gonna probably be close, very similar to what Sean Connery's uh, run was in James Bond as far as the years go, um, considering this is gonna be the last one. And I do see him probably making a cameo later on. Uh, like in another another installation of the James Bond uh, lore, but yeah, man, it, it was sad. It's it's sad to see one of the Hollywood legends kind of go uh, over the weekend. It was ho- technically it was Halloween, I want to say, even though they reported overnight. But now it's it's the, it's like the one thing in my back of my head is like, oh man, Sean Connery didn't pass away on Halloween. Like that's wild. Um, but yeah, R.I.P. to Sean Connery. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's in the course. Um, one thing I did, I mean, before that, um, before that weekend of last week, um, honestly, the lot, what the like, couple episodes ago, we were talking about, you know, Cobra Kai, how revivals or reboots are working. Yeah. Um, HBO Max and Cartoon Network announced a deal with Steven Spielberg to revive the Tiny Toons, basically. So, Tiny Toons, it's gonna be called Tiny Toons University. They have a new showrunner, Spielberg will be on as executive producer. Um, it's going to be on HBO Max and Cartoon Network. They haven't said what date it's going to be released, so I'm assuming it's going to be next year. Because, I mean, they haven't announced who, if the, any of the cast members are returning, but I know I saw the first conceptual art. I guess it's going to be like a reboot, honestly. Um, I mean, if you remember Titans from the early 90s, you know, that was one, like, a lot of writers, if you don't know, a lot of writers that worked on Batman and the series got their start on Titans Who Adventures. Like Paul Dini, Bruce Timm, they helped out on there as well. Um, then they also worked on Animaniacs. And people realize Animaniacs was almost like a spinoff of Tiny Toons almost. A little bit. But um, with Animaniacs coming out later this month. Can't wait. November 20th. Um, I see the trailer for it. Loved it. Because they are doing what they're doing. Doing a meta humor. You know, taking characters from this day and age. You know, giving their perspective of it. And, you know, now Tiny Toons is going to go Tiny Toons University. And one thing a lot of people can say, you know, ever since HBO Max decided to bring Tiny to- uh, Looney Tunes again, but it kind of changed Amber Fudd. He's no longer a hunter, so he doesn't use a gun anymore because, you know, gun safety. 
Um, so far, Cree Summer actually gave chimed in. If you remember Cree Summer, she's the voice of Amira. And she just felt that apparently her character's not going to be revised in the reboot. Uh, I guess because either because the last like Elmira last appeared on Elmira picking the brain, so I wonder it's because technically she falls under Animaniac side of it. That could be the rights because Hulu has the rights to Animaniacs. That could be the reason why mm. she's not going to be in the university. But hopefully they have a voice for her, a voice or role that she has in there. It'd be cool to see her. She's a great voice actress. Love her in so many works. She was in, she was Susie from Rugrats, Dulcie from Sonic the Hedgehog, Saturday Morning Cartoon, ABC. Um, and many more works that she's done. And we'll see what happens. You know, I'm, I'm excited because it's like almost like the 90s are making a comeback. You know, Rugrats are supposed to come back soon as well. They're going to reboot the Rugrats. Like a lot of stuff's getting rebooted or, you know, being revived. Because I think right now with this pandemic, it's kind of easier to bring animated shows because the fact that most of the actors can record from home with the proper setups, it's kind of easier to do that. Versus, you know, having, you know, people inside, like, a soundstage or something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of hard. To, to rent studio uh, time space. to do all the... Space and time, because, like, everything's booked. And and with now and however all these productions are going to be, it's it's interesting to see Hollywood... Well, Hollywood productions kind of having to streamline their stuff. And and uh, I, I know it's kind of sidetracked, but I've noticed that um, if anybody who watches The Daily Show still... Um, which I don't understand how after John Stewart left. I no knocks to Trevor Noah. Um, I don't mind his stand up. I think he's got his quirks, his, his nice little bits. Um, he also kind of steals some bits. But at the end of the day, I, I couldn't I couldn't get into Daily Show when he took it over. No, no, no. By any means, just my personal opinion. I I just couldn't get into it after John Stewart left. But you see him hosting it from his room, from his office in his house, and. We see John Oliver doing that as well for I think is it Showtime. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's doing. And then as well. Jimmy Kimmel's doing the same. So like we see all these late lights, and it's funny. Um, we're gonna see them kind of still playing with the network game. And uh, if anybody hasn't gotten a chance to go on Netflix, uh, I highly recommend David Letterman's um, show on on Netflix. Uh, yeah. This this person needs no introduction. It's pretty great. How he just really gets to know these celebrities. I know they kind of handpick, but at the same time, he, it's David Letterman. I mean, he's always had a good late night show in my eyes. And in watching Netflix, he has a great episode with Dave Chappelle. I highly recommend watching that. Uh, Chappelle is one of my inspirations in comedy. Well, the GOAT, probably one of the GOATs. So, like, watching that and uh, kind of seeing what the networks are trying to do with their pieces and reducing their their kind of their production is went to uh, streamline you know, typical home setup. This is a good time for a lot of independent creatives and a lot of independent uh, media people coming up to really, really carve their niche that they already have. So it's like, this is where we come in to play, like an advantage for a lot of, I want to say YouTubers who maybe host uh, news shows, whatever the case may be, what you do, podcasting, however mm-hmm. it means. So now we're going to see the big dogs, the mainstream, kind of going into here again, into this space, because they don't have any choice anymore. Because the internet kind of decentralized that. It disrupted that. So I really do love that, like, it's a game of, of uh, quality content as opposed to seeing these guys on networks who, like, kind of... I'm not going to say coasted, but, like, they did. Because they have they, they work with a team of writers. Yeah. And what I love about independent creatives and artists is that you're you're coming from a, a, a place of inspiration. It's... It's... 
It's crafted with your own style. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking the writers who write for these shows because they're doing a job. They have merit. They're they're there for that person for a certain purpose. It's a job. But at the end of the day, it's like how can I like this is a full team compared to like uh, a stand up comic giving a monologue on something, or it's like we're talking about a full team of writers. Mm-hmm. It's like I you know when you see the stand ups that go on SNL when they give a yeah. monologue. I don't. I doubt. I doubt they have anybody coming and talking and like. Writing them jokes. I'm sure they tell them, hey, you know, maybe not talk about this, that. Sure. And then once they go on, then they'll do the thing. And it's up to Lauren Michaels if he wants to, like, hey, tell them to tone it down or if they'll ever invite them back. Yeah, it's like what, what Bill Burr did when he yeah, like, that. Was that was awesome. That you was, needed yeah. somebody to do some shit like that. Someone to actually wake yourself up and give his two cents about it. But, yeah, yeah it's, like I said, it's an interesting time. And like I said, with, like, a lot of shows, either, you know, the way these shows are right now, it's like, the Oscars got delayed. Like I started watching the Go- like the Goldbergs barely came back for this season, and it's like who knows how long they had to be like delayed. And, and... Well, haven't they been on for a while now? Yeah, it's like oh, I think it's like season seven. They have enough for syndication. No, I think they just got syndication because there's so many episodes. And I see that going pretty strong. I love that show because it reminds me of the eighties. And then um, they were asking like, oh, was this article was about on Collider about Bob's Burgers, how the production's been going throughout the pandemic, how they're how they're adapting, how they're doing the voices. And they said a lot of it is through improvisation and stuff too as well. So they talk about how each character bounces off each other because they do, they do well, before the pandemic, they were doing like very few productions did was they recorded in the same studio. Like they recorded in the same room. Like, because like that's almost like old school radio where back in the day, hopefully your grandparents could tell you, um, when they used to do radio shows, they used to have everybody there. They had all the voice actors. They had the, the Foley artists who do the sound effects. You had the, the, the musicians that would do, like, the background music. And someone's, like, the narrator. For Bob's Burgers, they were doing that for a while. They were doing, like, what very few productions were doing was, um, you know, recording, you know, in the same studio. But now with the pandemic, they said, like, I think it was um, uh, John Roberts, who's the voice of Linda Belcher on... Uh, Bowsburgers, how he was talking, describing how the writers and stuff, how they had to adapt. You know, now, you know, most of the actors have to record from home. But they said it's kind of cool because sometimes they do a few takes where sometimes they'll, like, the writers will tell the actors, hey, you want to improvise something here and see how your character reacts? They do it there. Because it's kind of, you know, because normally they record the voices first and then they animate after. But because then what happens is that's why a lot of animators sometimes sit in the studio just to see how, like, the storyboard artists, how they can make these actors, like, sometimes when you see, like, voice actors record, they do, like, hand movements or gestures just to see, and sometimes they'll, the animators will take those, like, images of their hand gestures to try to add to the character to get more vibrance and, you know, bring that character to life. Because that's what you're doing as a voice actor, you're bringing that character to life. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, now, like, a lot of anime productions have, so far, to have to be the first time in Japan, they have to record from home. Even Funimation, who's been pretty much, you know... A lot of voice actors in Funimation have been like, when it comes to dub work, I've been doing it from home. And, you know, a lot of, like, some of those got delayed. But, like, there's one anime called ReZero that, in Japan, for this current season, most of the first time that all the animators are working from home instead of the studio. And, you know, because that's how big this in, like, the impact that the pandemic did when it comes to, like, production and stuff. I mean, we see it in sports, you know, mostly stadiums so far. I've been seeing, like, you know, they've been, like, some states, they've been letting fans in, but... Still, some are still operating with no fans in the building because due to the amount of cases, they're trying their best. You know, they do their testing and due diligence, but it's just this time. It's like we have to adapt. It's like even entertainment has to adapt. You know, even though 
there's options on having digital media. I still will go out to a bookstore and still buy a book. I'm like, I still will buy manga paper. Why? Because I love the feel of it. I like turning the pages. I'm, you know, I'm getting kind of open to like possibly going towards digital, but at the same time, it's like, who knows how much of a percentage of royalties does the artist get, you know? And they say like, what well, podcast? I was listening to Trash Chaser. I had one of their, their they had like um the guys had like the boys had like their one their the producer on one for one episode, and she describes like mostly the mangaka, the creator, and usually usually gets money not just from the manga sales, but also from like DVDs, Blu-rays, and sometimes merchandise as well. Um, but for me, it's like reading comic books. I still want to pick up the paper, you know. I still want to flip the pages because you have that feeling when you flip pages. Because you had that sense. I, Even though now, I, I'm i not trying to sound hypocritical, but now with Webtoon being the digital, you know, model, because it's like a lot of Korean artists sharing their comics. So I'm reading my comics on there. I'm reading down of high school. So yeah, it's kind of cool because it's digital. I like that it bookmarks for you. But to me, I still, that doesn't like lead me towards being all my comics being digital. I still prefer like print media. Because to me, that's something that's never going to go away. Because it's like, it's good, because that way you have, because what happens is your battery dies, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're screwed. So that's why it's good to have, like, a paper copy as a backup. It's like the same thing with video games. Like, with video games, I used to buy the actual disc, you know? You know, back in the day, for you young kids, before we had digital games, we had to buy hard copies. But now we live in this age where you can get it digitally. So that's like this next generation, now we're transitioning to video games right now, guys. You know, we're just a few weeks away from Xbox Series X and PS5 coming out. And now the game companies are like, the game makers are pretty much, you know, now they give you a choice. Do you want the disc drive or do you not want this? Do you want to go all digital? Which I think is fine. I mean, if you're like, how long do you, how long, well, GameStop is clearly getting out of the way. They're, they're gone, guys. Don't go, don't support GameStop. They're so awful. They're just an awful company. They fuck over their employees. They're constantly, they're constantly gouging them to try to push this power program because they're in their wits end. They're done. Like they're 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 already shutting down stores. They only have, they reduced so much that they only have management. I mean, I understand they brought. Done. I know they brought in Reggie Fields. I mean, if you remember him, he was the president of Tell America. It's gonna die, dude. I don't know what he's gonna think of because you know GameStop tries so many things just to be stay relevant. But they're just terrible. It's because of the fact that kind of what kills. The game, the, the, when it, and also I feel bad for like the secondhand stores because, or even the retro game shops because that's who I would like to support more is like those independent game shops that sell like retro games or like this replays or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah, secondhand, secondhand stores. shops. Yeah, I would support them. I mean, don't get me wrong, GameStop wasn't too bad back in the day, but now when you have that option of buying the game digitally, knowing that you had the license. And most of the sales, that's a lot of the publishers do more digital sales than they do at the stores. And it's like, I mean, the only thing, you know, that's why this, with this next generation, to me, I'm going to wait on the PS5 because with Sony saying they're supporting the system for like two more years, due to the pandemic, they saw like a rise in PS4 sales. Because of course, a lot of people stay at home. They had to keep themselves busy, you know? They had to be staying home. What else are they going to do, right? And then they said, oh, for people that are not ready to make jump into the next generation, we're going to keep supporting the system for two more years. And a lot of titles, even though they're coming out of PS5, they're going to be available on PS4. You just to get the free upgrade. 
A lot of games I have in my digital library, you already have the messages already. To play this game on PS5, make sure you have the latest software update. So it's like, I'm not in a hurry to say. I, I'm not in a hurry to jump in the next generation. I did that with the 360. How many 360s I went to I finally got one that works? Um, I mean, yeah, but you're you're comparing it to a different. Well, first of all, a technological time, and second, that that was they they hashed that out so fast, especially to compete with PS3's turnaround times. But PS3 came out a year after. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but you're talking about Microsoft. How, Bill Gates doesn't fucking do anything in Microsoft since like 2002. Like he's not in the board, so he doesn't write anything. And then we have like that. Of course, it's gonna come with problems. And yes, you should hold out. But like comparing that technology to what now, yes, uh, for them to make this turnaround for the holidays because of the pandemic, because they want to reach for pockets, understandable. Mm-hmm. Do what, did we need a console at this time? Maybe not. Maybe no, not. Honestly, no. It should Maybe be traded. Um, I think what they should have done, uh, at least for the, the, for example, the Xbox, they should have never made the Series X. That was stupid. Um, I'm not saying it's useless. It's not, but like. What was the point of that just for the 4K capability and then release a system maybe two years after that's going to do that and much more? Like, what was... It's it's like the Wii U problem. It was that. Like, the Wii U... The Wii U was supposed to be, like, the the most... The market wasn't ready for it. Like, people weren't ready for the Wii U. It's like, why? Like, I'm not on the go as much. And, like, wow. Like, that's what it was. It was too early. Like, too early. It's always about a timing thing. And then when the Switch came out, what? That exploded. Why? It literally does the same thing the Wii U does. But I kind of like that with the Switch being, you know... It's, but it gives you two options. It gives you options. That's so why I do see, like about it. It has that portability but factor, but at the same time, you have the option to play at home as well. Right, but that's and what I'm just, saying. It's just a timing thing. It's yeah. Like, it's a timing and what the demand is. And, and that's what's the problem, is that, like, these people... It's like the same thing... It's just, like, the same problem. That they're, they're trying to go on, like, the way I see it, is that they're trying to um, emulate the way the phone market is. Mm-hmm. How, like, every year there's a new phone... And they want you to grab on that, like, oh, it's doing this and that. And then, like, you realize once you actually have it, I'm not really doing anything different. So it's just like, oh, fuck. So with the systems, like, if they're trying to emulate that, they're going to go down a bad path. Because it's like, if we're going to keep doing this half-assed systems. Um, and you have you do have a point. Like, it could it could be, you know, there are, could be room for bugs. Obviously, they're, they're going to have these focused groups to test these things. But, yeah, you still leave your, your you know, you still leave yourself vulnerable to... To kinks along the road that like you can, then we haven't seen from Sony's side ever, but we see from the, the but, Xbox well, side quite frequently. I like for a fact what Sony did, which what? I'm surprised Microsoft didn't do. Sony decided to put a video and basically took apart PS5 just to show you the breakdown of what each part does, reason why it's big, why it's bulky. Because they did the one thing that everyone kept complaining about these past systems was all about cooling and heat. That's the reason why the PS5 is big bulky, to compensate to keep it cooled. And they give you two options. That's kind of cool. They even give you a stand with it. I saw like I saw like unboxing videos from IGN, and they show that it comes with a stand, which is cool. Yeah, I, yeah. And so it gives you the choice where you, you can have it vertical or you can have it horizontal. It's up to you. To me, honestly, if when I do get it, I'll have it vertical just to get the airflow. Yeah. But I like the fact that Sony decided to release a technical video just to show you the makeup of why what all pieces come together, what each piece's purpose is, which is really cool. 
That's okay. They're not. I think it's just it's a lack of who, whoever goes where they're looking where they get their information. To me, honestly, Marcus was... Bromley had an opening for both of them. So and he's got the biggest tech cha- YouTube channel on on yeah, it's the biggest YouTube tech review channel Ooh. ever. And like, can yeah, and Sony that luckily they did that shit. Obviously, you won't see that on Nintendo side. But like, the luckily you you saw that PS Five. They're not holding any punches with that. And we're still going to go with the console wars, which I think is stupid to do. Yeah, they're still trying to upheld these console wars, but it's not really a war. It's only two of them. So it's just like, everyone's got their proper space. The three guys are always going to hold their space because they've been doing it longer, and that's fine. We, we constantly see Google release their shit, and it's not going to work. Let them do the VR stuff. Let them handle it. But when it comes to, like, natural home console gaming, I both systems hold up. Both systems are going to do what they do best. I do see advantages on the Xbox side, and I do see advantages on the PS5 side. But that's a preference on what you, what you're, what games you're into. Yeah, what games you're into, and what you are already, what you, what, what user, what user interface you like, really. Yeah. Like it, I don't. It's what software. It's basically yeah, it's to like what the software you prefer, user interface. But yeah. like I, I mean, I, the people I know, they're going to get both. The people, I have always gone one way or other. I, I myself priority is PC, and then I'll get the Xbox. Um, the people I game with, they're gonna get it both. So I'm not too worried. It's just everybody has the reasons for why the game, um, and everybody has, you know, it's. I think both of them are gonna hold up. I just, I, I personally, I mm-hmm. see Xbox kind of edging them out a little bit because of Sony's delays and lack of transparency of why they're giving delays to to the public on certain things. Um, and there have been tests to where frame they've been having frame rate bugs. They've been doing this. Um, they they've been called from like different, just different, different te- technical glitches along the way that's been happening. But remember, this is a trial run, and we already are seeing people's orders being delayed until next year. So like, if that's the case, who knows if they pull it, if they pull the plug, refund people's money so they can release a, a system, the same system, but. To their to their once it's like, standards. Once it's properly tested, because I don't right. know if they right. Like, be honest with you, yeah, they're gonna release it, but at the same time, it's like, who knows if it's been properly tested yet? Yeah, yeah. Because right now, because if, be honest with you guys, a lot of these parts they make for these systems are usually outsourced. Yeah. And sometimes with this pandemic, that's why a lot of people are saying, "Why you're doing this? What's going on? You know, but that was heading. You know, how are their standards over there? How are their safety standards is over there? We don't know." But it's like, at the same time, it's like, I understand from a marketing standpoint, they need to push something out right now just to get people, you know, excited. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, this holiday season is going to be weird, but in the gaming world-wise, the games, you know, for PS5 look great. You know, Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, Lost Horizon, a sequel to that one as well, which I got to play the first one still. I still haven't finished that one, but... Honestly, most of the games will be available on the PS4. And that's why it's like... Because the big thing that... The only way you can tie your people... Like, your gaming community is backwards capability. Because, you know, Sony were a little hush-hush about it. And now they're saying, oh, it is backwards compatible. Now they're saying it's just for the PS4 or where we got your digital library. You have to go to the PlayStation Store to see what is compatible in your library. Mm-hmm. And it'll tell you right away if it's compatible or not. And same thing with Xbox. Who knows what Xbox, Xbox having that capability of maybe they're probably gonna do the same thing again. Your Xbox One games, put it in, maybe do an emulator. But I think the one thing that kind of helps people is getting those like passes. Like Xbox has the Game Pass, you know, PlayStation has PlayStation Now. 
I think that's the only thing that's kind of help because it kind of gives people a chance. They pay monthly fee or pay yearly fee. You play as many games as you want mm-hmm. for a certain period of time. It's available. Yeah. And like you mentioned about um, earlier about how they're going to release the two type of console, digital or hardware. Or with the or, disc drive, uh, yeah. Disc drive. I mean, the way the industry is already going and how we're already seeing everything's being digital streaming, I don't... I don't see a lot of sense to get the disc drive one. I mean, if you if you because if you already own a lot of a library of games that you want to revisit, up to you, of course, get that one. And you got movies too. You got yeah, movies and movies. That yeah, always is nice. If you have hardware media, like you have yeah. Blu-ray DVD, that's why. So that's... it's just a particular consumer at that point. Um, but yeah, I see even going forward that they might not even have that option five years on the road. I just see it. They're going to have a straight stream, and they're just they're still holding on to that later demographic that may still game or may just have or the consumer who just gets these things for streaming stuff yeah like uh or casual yeah use. i've known plenty of uh, i've i've gone out with girls who have like a ps3 just because they use it as a dv player or for to watch netflix like they don't because not saying they don't have a laptop it's just like oh it's it's because i have it convenient it's on my tv or whatever like i've met people like that or the ones that's like oh i just get it because i play grand theft auto when i have free time and i don't want to think about it that's fine because that grand theft auto is becoming the next skyrim because now like <laughs> grand theft auto has been on so everything it's in a, it's been everything on every system it's coming off the next generation too it's like because that's like rockstar's biggest money maker is the online portion of grand theft auto because think about it, that's like almost like pc's version of world of warcraft almost and it, like i said we'll see how it goes like I said, I'm not in a rush to get a PS5 right away because, like I said, there's the pre-orders, the ability, and the pricing. Yeah. And the pricing. That kind of, I'm going to wait until Sony decides, oh, I'm going to slice the price. Yeah. Or wait until it's available because I'm not going to go and drive out to each store. Of course, run a mask on and go there being disappointed. So that's why I'm not in a rush. That's why I'm like, I'm just going to keep playing the PS4 until they're no longer doing firmware updates on it. That's what I'm going to do. Because to me, it's still a good system. There's a lot of good games on the PS4 that are still being planned for and released on. And most of those games, I play PS5. So I save myself money on, you know, getting the new titles. Because even, like, they're saying some of the new games are going to be, like, 70 bucks. That's like, come on. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's more of a ridiculous... $60 is already ridiculous. Honestly, yes. Where you can get a Blu-ray now for, like, half that price. Yeah, and a good and like you could get like the the deluxe edition of a fucking of like a re-release of Pulp Fiction for cheaper. Like, why? why? That's why I always wait for like when they do these like publisher sales on P- on some. Yeah. Wait till they are discount. I don't usually. Well, very few games I'll get when it's released. Depends. Like um, last week, I got the Legend of Heroes Trans Cold Steel Four. And of course, if you guys remember last Monday, or last Tuesday, or Monday night. If you pre-order digitally, we're supposed to download. You we're going to give you the key to download it early. Fortunately, if you were one of those guys like us in Europe, got affected by <laughs> the download virus, well, basically couldn't let us do anything. Apparently, I had to follow like NIS America because they were publishing. They were publishing for Falcom. Oh, really? They were helping them out release it, and it it came like a back and forth battle between who was responsible. First, they were saying it was the developers. The publishers, now they're saying it was Sony's issue on their end, so both sides were investigating. I had to follow on Twitter, follow on Reddit to find out any updates, and finally they were able to fix the glitch. And it was at a point where we were trying to refund and rebuy it because they're like, dude, you they're offering the deluxe the digital deluxe edition for sixty bucks while it's regularly eighty bucks. If you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, you get sixty bucks. 
And the game right now is only on PS4, so it's not supposed to come out on, on Switch and on PC until next year. So I don't know why you guys decided to double buy the game. Just give it time. And that's what I did. I ended up being patient. I just followed, you know, Twitter and just getting updates. And the next day, I was able to start downloading it. The next day after released. It happens. Things happen. And that's why I, that's why I kind of like, kind of like there's some disadvantages or there's some advantages going digital. If you buy the game physically, it kind of works because you can actually play it. Digital is not bad. Digital is good because you, there's the convenience of it. You don't have to go out of your house to go to the store to buy the game and come back over here. And you can just buy it and just wait until it downloads. But I could see why, like I said, there's a good advantage to buy the physical copy. But like I said, like I said, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> and speaking of Sony, um, if you're a big anime guy like me, um, it's been reported last Friday that Sony is in final talks. I've been keeping up on their. I've been keeping up online to see if the sales gone through yet, but they're in talks of actually acquiring Crunchyroll from AT and T. Um, if you know, Crunchyroll has been a service that started back in two thousand and eight, no, two thousand six. It was done by a group that were trying to help get anime out here to the U.S. At first, they were almost like a pirate site until they were got crowdfunded. To the point where they actually bought licenses just to bring first star media, uh, anime out here to the West. And it got to the point where they ended up becoming a group. Um, Outer Media was their parent company. Then, of course, it became Elation. And, of course, ATT bought them a, story, a majority stake in it. And it became one of the anime powerhouses besides Funimation. Of course, Funimation was one of the early, you know, licensors and licensees and dubbing agencies to bring anime as well to the US and you know from Japan and of course they you know a couple years back they got bought by Sony Pictures Japan Sony Japan with a 95% majority share so now you know AT&T you know they're they bought Warner Media right now they incurred a huge bunch of debt and they're trying to solve entertainment assets and you know, and they're thinking one of the big things is Crunchyroll to pay off that debt. First, they were asking for $1.5 billion. First, they asked Sony about it. Sony balk at the deal. They're like, no, we'll see what happens. We'll let you try to fish around. Nobody stepped up. So now, when I went online, on my phone on Friday, I followed Crunch. I followed, you know, I went through like the different news outlets and they reported, you know, Nikkei, which is one of the Japanese, you know, news sites. Um, they reported that Sony is in final talks to purchase Crunchyroll. For about 100 billion, 1 billion yen, which kind of like translates to about 976 million dollars. And with that, not only uh. they, not only that, they're going to get the biggest anime library because Crunchyroll has a lot of subscribers, and they're going to have a lot of you know content. Oh yeah, and it's a, it's a familiar brand. And it's a familiar brand, right on. I mean, yeah. I, that's a good acquisition for them. So right now I've been keeping up and so far it hasn't and then I find talks but of course the weekend, you know, things change. But hopefully the deal does go through because it's a ah. big it's a big thing for people like Funimation because now it gives more I'll say because there's the people were thinking, Oh, that means they're gonna start dubbing everything. And it's like that's cool, but at the same time it's like you gotta think of the big picture. Now they have rights to all pretty much all the animes they couldn't get rights to. And plus you can get a lot of dub voice actors, they'll have plenty of work to do. Which is, yeah, good for the creatives. And Not plus, with Funimation being based in Texas, 
and Control being based in California, That's now they have a second like string of offices. Now they have a because most of those voice actors either live in the Texas area well, maybe or they live in the West Coast. To Texas, Austin is trying to be a. Basically, they're trying to be. I think that's Silicon probably what Valley. it is. I mean, they're already kind of are. Then in Portland, they're very much competing hard. So I'm thinking that with that, it's probably going to help out. Yeah, with the pandemic, so, kind of speeding that and making pricing how just like property prices and just li- making the cost of living in California is just ridiculous already. And they just keep trying to raise it. And I can see them moving the offices. I mean, there's companies doing that already. So California is going to be. It's going to be a very interesting state to see uh, throughout the next upcoming years. But yeah, I, I think I think the acquisition is gonna only help both both brands and parties involved to, to reach better success because like you mentioned, they get rights to animes that we that didn't have a lot of uh, I want to say open channels of access. So with that in mind, yeah, you'll get the dubs, but also like who cares? Like just I'm sure they're gonna have the option for both. I, It'd be ridiculous not to give it. Maybe they're gonna. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It'd be really dumb for them not to spend the money on getting the rights to their full property as where as it was because that's what. I, I, I mean, no half subs is that's the hardcore. That's the hardcore anime. What they're looking, the anime enthusiasts. Because you think about for. it, I think the reason too why they're trying to get that is because Netflix right now. Netflix is putting a lot of money into. They're yeah. investing a lot into anime. They're investing that market as well. Yeah, I mean. It's interesting, like, uh, they're trying to go, they're taking the time now to actually go through these niche markets that are gaining a lot of mainstream waves, or has finally gotten, I want to say, a bigger societal ex- uh, acceptance. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, we've seen it from the conventions we've gone to, the anime presence has only grown. So, and, and uh, yeah, I'm not into it a lot, but, like, I, it's nice to see um, another medium kind of grow within the ranks of uh the you know the the comic book universe um li- uh, just graphic novel works pop culture stuff disney like they're you know they're going against big players here so it's 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 nice to see this type of medium um from another country kind of come and, and really make waves with america i mean we see it in music too i mean canada's a a big export for us when it comes to music uh to my k-pop man. drake and just yeah K-pop, like all these things, at the end of the day, like America is always gonna be the hub for the biggest mark. We're the biggest billboard in the world. <laughs> that's just what that's just what we do. We market shit, we blow shit up. That's what we do. So it's like, it's it's nice to see anime kind of take its stride and and, and it's growing in this. I think it's just a good to be a good. It's it's that's a, just a good deal overall. I mean, we'll see how it grows, but um, as a person. From the outside, seeing that, I I applaud that. That I think it's a good move on their part for for them. Uh. All right. Um. For that, um. Also, too, we just finished uh, as a recording. We just finished watching, you know, the first episode of season two of The Mandalorian. Yeah, finally, huh? So, let's let you guys know this is a like we did last year. We did a weekly discussion on it. So every episode, we include a weekly reaction to. Yep, so being that this show is released weekly, which is awesome because it gives people time to catch up and give time to discuss. Because it's like, it, it's cool putting all the episodes up, but if you're going to binge it all in one go, you're going to forget certain things. Yeah. And you have to go back and watch it again. So with that, you know, it came out last Friday. Of course, you know, hopping to Halloween. It was a good Halloween treat for people who were staying home and watch their favorite characters. So basically, um, with this episode, it was called The Marshall, Chapter 9. 
And we see, you know, Mando, he's pretty much, you know, he's going to different outskirts and, you know, opens up with him, like, going to this underground fighting ring, <laughs> fighting yeah. establishment, because he's paying this one dude. this for some answers. Some information about, you know, the whole thing he did. If you remember watching the previous season, that his goal is to find and take the child to his kind. And also, at the same time, trying to find other Mandalorians that can help him out along the way. The, the New Zealand Mandalorians have information. So he ended up going to the fighting pit. That was kind of cool. I forgot what the pig people were called, but they, they were fighting the oh, ring. Oh, the ones that guard um, They were calling it Jabba's House Fowls, yeah. I forgot what they're called, man. But it was kind of cool. Um, they see the underground fighting pits and the child. You get to see him, the uh, child, more making you know noises. He talks a little more, too. That's what they like, too, because he, always, he was always quiet. But you tell he's making like the like almost like typical baby noises, kind of like little coos and the reaction that puppet does. It's kind of cool. And you see, Mando, he has that shiny armor. He got the upgrade from. It has that um, emblem on his shoulder plate with the thing he killed or something took out. That's like became like his emblem now. And like I said, he's trying to find information about other Mandalorians and like who probably know information on how to find the the child's you know people basically. Because that's the whole thing is trying to find to take the child to them so they can raise it. And it goes to that and apparently that guy he talks to has the one eye was Johnny Guzamo, <laughs> which was kinda cool. One of those little cameos in there. Your Corzo's um, you know, doing his thing, trying to get answers, you know, gets threatened. Especially want his armor because it's made up of material that's highly sought, highly valued. Um, which ends up taking him to Tatooine again. Because he gets told that it could be a Mando on Tatooine. Oh, yeah. That's so he ends up going back there because he's like, oh, I never heard any Mando on Tatooine. So he ends up going there. We end up he's going back to the Moss Eisley spaceport. And so running into Amy Sedaris again, who's the mechanic of the port. Of course, uh, now he likes droids now. <laughs> remember, remember in the previous season, he liked droids. And now he's like, because she's like, she remembers him from last time saying, oh, I tells the droids, tells the little droids, hey, stay away from the ship because, you know, he doesn't like droids. And he's like, oh, I'm okay now. I'm thinking more kind of shit. I'm like, oh, now you like droids now. <laughs> it was just funny. And because, of course, what happened in the previous season where that one droid helped him out with his injury. So he goes, tries to get information, ends up finding out it's in um, this small mining town named Moss. Was it Moss? I heard the P, right? Moss Paga or something? Oh, most, uh, most. Most Polga. Polga? Paga. Yeah. So he ends up going there. Um, he ends up traveling there. And try to go to the bar. He tries to find out, you know, of any Mandalorians. And of course he says no. And then all of a sudden, you know, here comes one wearing Mandalorian armor. Of a familiar kind. Which is, spoiler alert, Boba Fett's armor. If you haven't seen the original trilogy. So this is wearing Mandalorian armor. Of course, being Mandalorian, you're going to be offended because it's not your armor. Because you can tell it's been used, it's been worn out, there's a bullet hole and stuff, or dents in it. And of course, um, ends up being the marshal of the town, who's played by Timothy Oliphant. Remember from Justify, The Office, he was Hitman. He's been in other programs as well. But, I see, he's in there and Becomes a, he's kind of like the law and the marshal of the town, and kind of, and I mean, you see like he gives a little like backstory, you know, about the town, what happened after the empire fell, which is really interesting because like I say, you never see what happened on our planets when the empire fell, like what happened, what was the reaction, and of course, 
they were a thriving town and all of a sudden, you know, this mining company came and tried to take over and, you know, he escapes, you know, he has to go in the desert with no water, no food and gets picked up by Jawas, he ends up getting the armor from there. Comes back, you know, pretty much drives out the the guys because, of course, they see Mandalorian armor, they get freaked out because Mandalorians are known as being killers and being good at it. And being good at that. Because that's the reputation. So people are often intimidated by the Mandalorians. And of course, you know, Mando says, hey, and then of course, you know, there's a big giant dragon-like snake that pretty much terrorizes the community. And the deal they make is um, if the Timmy Hoffman's character, the Marshal, pretty much tells him, hey, um, you know, let me take this thing down and give you back the armor. And of course, it becomes a where, to the point where they end up like, you know... They go out and end up running to the same people, Tusken Raiders, which I kind of like for the fact that this episode kind of like gave them a little bit more of a spotlight and the ways how they communicate. Because it looks like they communicate not only in like hand gestures, like almost kind of like sign language and a few grunts. And how they're not, they're all, of course, they're often pre- they're prejudiced against them because they live in the desert and they have their prejudices as well. But at the same time, they're dealing with the same issue, too. They're dealing with the creature who they dubbed the dragon. Mm. And you get to see that, you know, both sides of it. And they get more screen time because you don't know that much about them. Because it's like, they're all either featured very much in the in the fourth film, not that much. And you always see them in the background the first Yeah, film. like literally at the beginning. And that's about it. Like, they never really pop up. And it's two seconds and they don't. And they're not really seen as antagonists. They're just kind of those threats along the way. Mm-hmm. As weird as it sounds, um, but this episode I think was awesome that they did that, and uh, and they're able to kind of show because uh, each episode, even if you if you didn't get to watch all of the last one, or if you did, each episode has a the way Favreau is structured, or however the writers have structured these episodes. There's always obviously a purpose of where Mandel's trying to head next, um, a. A pop-up issue out of nowhere that comes up to that kind of is that kind of holds up his his journey, his mission with the child, and then we see him kind of networking or connecting with other guys along the way to get it. You know, him trading off a service for what he needs, and we see here that he's doing that, but also with uh, by collecting information, trying to find the armor. The Mandalorian armor, and then uh, but no, he was trying also, to find information about other Mandalorians. Yeah, and he was also trying to, and but at the same time, he got kind of roped into a conflict between a, a certain village and these raiders. And, and the so biggest, he, and the biggest enemy the, is that big dragon. And, yeah, so like the enemy of my, of my, like you know, the enemy of the enemy of my enemy is my is my friend. But in this case, this turnaround was like the enemy of my enemy is my enemy. So like, or if my enemy. Mm-hmm. Is the enemy of my enemy. Like, I might as well join forces to take out their enemy, and then we'll deal with our conflict later. But with this one, Mando being there, he kind of was able to be the, the, the ambassador, bridge. the bridge, because he could talk their language, because he's known these people throughout his journeys, and he tried to obviously spread his knowledge to uh, Timothy Oliphant's character. And uh, in hindsight, we get to see them kind of work together. And what I like is like that 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 lesson there. Uh, it kind of spoke volumes to what we're facing now. Is that like yeah, differences are there, but we're all trying to go through a common goal, and that's just to survive. And they both shared it, and they both exchanged services for what they want, and they both held their word. And so that kind of, that episode, I think that was like the overall lesson is that they try to show like we we can overcome our differences because we both have the same common threat. 
it's not a threat to it's you know you're not a threat to me it's just this happened let's buy your own bygones and and it's good that they showed the conflict in between both uh both establishments but uh it was also nice that like mando continues to be <laughs> the peacekeeper even though he carries this reputation um but yeah for it being the first episode i think it's fine um Comparing it to last year's episode, I think I like last season's better. Um, but that's just what you do on the second season. You know, you just pick up where you left off. Anyways. Yeah, pretty so, much. I, no, I don't knock it at all. It's just, it was good. It was fine. It was it was a fine start to a second season episode. Um, I know it's been a week since it already came out. It's funny that we didn't see it right away. But I think it's better that way because the way Disney Plus is releasing it. Um, it's kind of old school the way they're doing it. But I don't know why. But I understand. I think they wanted to do that just to get people in. And to not binge it right away. Right. But it's just like. Give, like them... People already love the merchandise already. It's, it's far gone. Like they're never. Like they're, people are always going to love the merchandise. And they fell in love with the child. Dude they had a Lego child built at the at the Lego store. Hmm. You can get the you can get the sets for the Mandalorian too. So it's just like. People love this shit already. Like you don't have to do that. But of course these corporations have to do that. They want to pull every single penny out of you. So. But as far as it goes, I think um, it's just it's going to be another good season. And I then we do season. get a surprising reveal because mm. as they're speeding off at the end, yeah, we see Bubble Fett make an appearance because and he looks, you can tell, you know, he's been hiding and you can tell he's been, you know, he probably skipped the Starlight Pit. He looks like he's in the middle age already, like he's in his middle age. Well, I mean, it takes place after the end of episode uh, th- of six. That's why, dude. That's a long-ass time. Yeah. I mean, sometime after the Empire fell. Yeah. I mean, considering whatever's, whatever well, um, now whatever explains, time is in, in their galaxy, right? Whatever that means. It could be months or like a Parsecs year after. Parsecs are different, right? Parsecs are measured. Parsecs are miles faster distance. Faster than the speed of light. Yeah. So with this being, you know, who knows what the time frame. It could be months after the Empire fell. Yeah. So he apparently he somehow survived the Sarlacc pit. You can tell because he has some scarring and stuff. And yeah, it's for a few seconds, but I'm like, we recognize his face. First, you're like, oh, that's Jango Fett. Like, remember, <laughs> we kept thinking back, remember, clones. <laughs> well, Fett's oh. basically a clone, but he got turned to a kid. Like, he, because remember, this thing, the stipulation was they make one like a kid, like his son or something. So they call him Boba. But it's basically Boba Fett. So we'll see how what kind of factor he plays in. Because now that Mando has his armor. Mm. And he's also a former Mandalorian. We'll see what happens. But like I said, I'm looking forward to the next episode. What I did like for a fact with the Disney Plus, they didn't show a trailer for the next episode or next time. Because it kind of gives you the idea, like, it kind of gives your mind, like, what's going to happen next? What do you think is going to happen next? So we'll have to wait and see this Friday and see what, where they're going to end up. So I'm looking forward to it. It was a good episode. I did enjoy it. I love that dragon character, like that dragon Leviathan, whatever they were calling like that worm. It was kind of cool the way they did it and it was crazy how it was shooting acid oh my god it was freaking scary so it's like oh and then the thing he took out our sarlacc man that thing took out our sarlacc yeah that thing was insane that was like some uh, fucking lord of the rings shit just the way they it's what i like is like we still get that western feel because that's what it is it's like a western and i wish and i wish they kind of i do i wish they did and i wish they didn't um because i like john favreau how he's implementing it into this series but uh Comparing to what the the recent iteration of the the canon of Star Wars and the movies, um, I just think that Favreau is knocking it out of the park. Like he is capturing both of that style of westerns, and 
with giving it with the Star Wars punch. And, and yes, we're not going to have, not everyone's going to like that type of film, um, but people who are very familiar with the type of, uh, you know, the, the typical storyline tropes they use and, and just the setting, he's really capturing it nicely in the Star Wars universe. And I think, like, I would hope that the, the universe would head towards that way and maybe keep him on. I know, I'm sure, like, if he, they asked him to do a movie, I don't think he would do it. Just because, like, I'm sure there's so much pressure on because you gotta just because the the fan culture of Star Wars could be so toxic sometimes, mm-hmm. and um, and I mean I'm not I'm not one to hold my my punches when it comes to critiquing the new the you know the recent iteration of Star Wars in the movie films, but like the way he's doing it, I think he's really uh hopefully I think I feel like he is making a lot of Star Wars fans happy with these as well as hopefully bringing new eyes. Um, and then to bring a new uh, usher and a new generation of fans, but like he, I think he's holding it up. I can't say the same for the movies, but right now he's holding it up, and, and I, that's why I'm like, and you can see it now that like the way they were marketing it, that it is a big deal. And honestly, like with Disney Plus, I that's literally the only thing we I've watched on there besides yeah, you'll visit the old and that and Smart Guy. I haven't watched anything else, so like <laughs> I, I don't because in a few episodes the Goldblum thing, but like. Every I don't I don't have I don't get a, a very I don't get a nostalgic itch right away for that stuff. My music is what does that for me. But like, that's why I mean Disney Plus still has a lot of room to grow and to prove. Like prove they still have a lot of ground to winning to prove themselves at least in the streaming market because you can't ride nostalgia forever. Um, but if they if they shell money into these type of productions on their major properties, I think they're going to have a good run. I mean, we're still waiting to see what how the Marvel shows turn out. And I think if they play their cards right, given that Mandel's probably going to last for, what, another two, three months, and then that's going to be gone, and we're that's probably, it's going to have to fill some sort of void because we're going to be riding this COVID thing a little longer with all these spikes going on. So, I don't know. I think it's... it's uh, I would hope that they switch the the whole releasing once every week I rush they should just let it binge because either way people are going to rewatch it watch it based on their own whatever they want to do and people are at home now so like they don't have to worry necessarily worry about waiting for the standard time for where people turn on their Disney Plus like nowadays people work from home you know everyone's everything's restructuring right now so like I think they should really just take advantage of the binge shit because people are going to binge now it's just what it is Mm-hmm. And Netflix is gonna still ride on that because it's working for them. Like yeah. they they don't they don't fucking they only do that for a few things, right? And most of the properties they do it for are like talk shows that they've invested yeah. in. Like they don't do that for fucking like imagine if they did that for uh, what's the show? If they did that for Stranger Things, oh my god, they yeah. wouldn't have. I don't believe they would have the same amount no. of of the way it blew up. I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. So it's just. It's interesting to see how they're trying to emulate both, but like they're they're still sticking to this whole classic standard release time where we don't even have to bother with ads. Like that's that's so played out. Nobody wants shit like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was a decent episode. Okay, cool. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Mandalorian currently on T- on Disney Plus. Like I said, check out episode nine if you haven't checked it out already. Okay. Yeah, this is your anime corner. Cause I got, I'm going to look up a pro tip right now. Okay, so let's go on to anime. Not only am I recommending anime, but I'm also recommending a manga. Um, the manga I'm currently reading is Goblin Slayer. So if you are pretty much into fantasy style, but at the same time into something that's inspired by Dungeons & Dragons, 
with a little bit of gore and some little bit of sexual content, not too much. Um, definitely pick out Goblin Slayer. Right now, the anime is currently available on Crunchyroll and Hulu, I believe, in Funimation. Um, basically, Goblin Slayer kind of follows almost similar to a world where basically almost like inspired by Dungeons & Dragons. Right? Some of the creators are inspired by the tabletop games of the past. Um, the, the script is written by Kumo Kaguyo. Um, the art is done by Kosuke Korose. And then the character is designed by Nobu Kanatatuki. Um, pretty much... Um, Honestly, it just follows this girl. She's a priestess. You know, she just made porcelain rank. And she goes on her... And she gets approached by a party of the same ranking. And they decide to go on a quest. And of course, the quest doesn't turn out as planned. To the point where, you know, the male character... Male um, paladin gets taken out. But they go take it... They do a simple quest of trying to exterminate goblins. So I'll give a little bit of, of the... A little bit of the plot. And, you know, she decides she's a priestess. She's a healer. They have a mage. And they have a fighter. And they go to the Serum Goblins, but the mission doesn't, doesn't, the quest doesn't go as planned. Pretty much, um, and involve, the, the male character ends up getting ambushed and ends up getting pretty much poked and killed by the goblins. Um, one of the girls gets stabbed, one of the mages gets stabbed, and pretty much one of the fighters gets, gets, uh, beaten up. And ends up getting sexually assaulted. And ends up leading the pieces to the point where she's afraid, she, to the point where she's pissing herself. Um, along comes on this mysterious figure who wears this beat up armor and pretty much his whole purpose of his life is to make sure all goblins are exterminated and he's simply known as the Goblin Slayer. So currently now I'm in volume 2 of the manga and it's getting really good. This is when he finally gets approached by a party of different members who I believe if you've seen the anime as well become almost like the main party of this series. Well, I'm really in the middle of Volume 2. It's really good. The artwork is great. Like I said, it's they do have a prince of warning because I even went to the bookstore and it still had wrapped in plastic. Because I think they do that so the kids will try to open it. Yeah. Unless you buy it, which makes kind of sense. That, that happens in Japan as well. A lot of like the adult, you know, intended for older audiences, usually don't have it wrapped so the kids, so you won't have to, the only way you can open it is if you wrap, if you bought them. I copy that. I kind of like. I kind of applaud, you know, Barnes and Noble the way to get it. Easily packed in plastic, and I I do give you know a shout out to Yen Press. They're the American publisher for us here, um, because this is originally published by Square Enix. If you were doing Square Enix, it's not just video games, people. They publish manga too. They're also a publisher. They're also a manga publisher, so they do send in Japan. Usually, either depending on the image, either they they have wrapped in plastic. So unless you can look flip their pages, you have to buy the the book. And the anime itself came out a few years ago. And it's to the point where they actually do a little disclaimer saying this. This is intended for older audiences, viewers, discretion, and desire. Some images, because there is some gore and stuff, and the imagery is kind of intense. Um, the anime itself is really good. They do capture the art style of the car- of the works. And they have um, Goblin's Crown was the film. I believe it's still uncomfortable, but I think this weekend they were showing it on uh, Funimation as well. I think Funimation has the dub of Goblin Slayer and Crunchyroll has the sub. So definitely check out both the anime and the manga. If you want, I know they did announce Goblin Slayer will be back next year. And I like for the fact that each episode of anime, you hear a dice roll. It's kind of similar to D&D. Because even the characters are like, oh, I only have, I, the priestess, she's like, I can only use three spells a day or something. So they're limited. So it kind of feels like that dungeon type of expect. The D&D aspect where your characters are only limited a certain amount of spells at a certain period. Definitely check it out. Artwork is great. It's a good read. 
And like I said, it's for mature audiences. So like I said, viewer discretion is advised. Definitely check out Goblin Slayer. Like I said, it's on Crunchyroll, on Hulu. You get the manga. The manga you get it digitally. Or like myself, I get a paperback. It's published by Yen Press. Definitely check it out. I think they have a light novel version. They even have spin-off mangas of Goblin Slayer as well that, you know, go some deep up to the other characters. Because what's cool about mangas, they do spin-offs where you can get more details of the characters. And sometimes they'll add in the anime, who knows? Definitely check it out. Also, too, another thing, I'm expanding more on anime, but another thing that just came out last week was My Hero Academia, Heroes Rising. It came out on Blu-ray last week. Another film, which, honestly, based on the timeline, took place after Season 5, the way the storyline looks. Of course, Season 5 won't be out until next year, but I will say, to reiterate, that was the last film me and Biko saw before they shut down everything. <laughs> that was the last movie we saw in theaters before they shut down everything. So definitely check out Heroes Rising. It's on Blu-ray, DVD, digital. Definitely check it. Recommend it. Animation is great. Story is really great. I don't want to get too much details of that. I'll say that for another thing. But another time, definitely get that as well. And that's what I got for you guys for Anime Corner. All right, Pico. Any pro-life tips from the world of Reddit? Um, so, well, the first life pro tip is uh, at least vote. Uh, <laughs> you're within your rights to not, and that's totally fine. Um, but if, for those who practice that, yeah, go vote. Um, so life, the life pro tip for the day, and I consistently, consistently urge you to use this for throughout your life. And, uh, it says, life pro tip, don't work too hard and think that you will enjoy after 50s. After your 50s, your health is going to be pretty bad. Your kids will be old and there won't be the same... It won't be the same type of fun. Instead, have fun with the family whenever you get a chance. Working too hard can be bad for your family life too. All of this comes from, and this is coming from a 21 year old. I experienced this firsthand because of my workaholic father. Now, you and I know we experienced that the same way. And yeah. Our father to this day is still a workaholic, and but luckily he's, he's been slowing down. He's, he's been doing, slowing down. He's definitely uh, he's definitely making strides into his in his later adult years to where he's making an effort, a better effort than when he had to grow up. But that's fine. We understand as you get older, you kind of understand the sacrifices your parents make. Um, but this is good advice coming from a twenty-one year, and it's a, it's the truth. Never never hold your work as a highest the highest priority over your family because you're going to regret that. You're going to regret the times you you missed. Um, spending time with your family all because of a work project or something that you knew you knew could be put off but you decided to use that anyways and i understand you know you're working hard to provide for your family or, or work working towards goals but at the end of the day you need to remind yourself what you're doing it for at the end of the day so um i think it's true um everything you know they they created they've created the system that makes us kind of work until we're 50s and by the time we're able to enjoy our retirement if that's even a thing anymore uh you're kind of already too old to really participate in a lot of the same things you were able to that you enjoyed in your earlier years and then but this there's so many factors that go into that you know health and fitness your well you know how you take care of yourself uh environment so many factors but if i'm mainly talking about the things you can control and that is the time you spend and whatever you're doing um and it's the truth you're you are going to regret it not being able to be there for your family in certain situations or certain like party celebrations, whatever the case may be. So yes, please don't don't overexert yourself be, for some company that is 
at the end of the day, it's just more numbers at, at the end of your account at the end of the day. So like, you know, just take priority in what really matters in your life. Very, very much value what's important to you. And, it, and you know, if you don't have kids or family and it's just you, that's just you. And then, you know, that's your, that's your prerogative. But, uh, this is one I really enjoyed because it is, it's funny. It's hearing it from a 21 year old <laughs> these days, but that's important. And I think it's amazing to hear that, you know, there's, there's some wise why it's 20 somethings going into it and uh yeah come on man don't work too hard there's more than life than just making a buck there's i know we have to survive first but you know some more more than others are okay and are comfortable position you know really take the time to be to have fruitful experiences all right okay guys that's gonna wrap it up for the week so if you haven't already go vote and we'll see what happens um, don't forget uh, to check out our backlog episodes up on Anchor, Google, Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can follow us on Twitter at PopTalkin. That's P-O-P-T-A-L-K-I-N on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook as well. If you go to Facebook, look for Talkin' Pop. We do post uh, the links to the episodes. Or if you want to chime on something in, you, follow, you want something that me and Big Cole discuss, you can do that as well. You can do it on Twitter. You can tweet us using the hashtag TalkPop. Or talk pot pod. You can check out our merch store at teespring.com. Look for stores. Look for talking pot. We got shirts. I do have some con- some designs coming soon for the fall. Some new designs. So definitely keep an eye out for those. And keep your page and our social medias. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to keep an update on those. And also upcoming episodes. We do this every Tuesday, guys. So thank you so much for joining us today. Be safe. Go out and vote. As always, geek on and take care. Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.